G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 139. And just before we get started with today's amazing guest, I just wanted to thank everybody out there that has been buying my book, The Fasting Highway, uh, the story of my own journey, and might give you sort of a bit of impetus and also some motivation to start uh, intermittent fasting. And we'll give you a few tips and tricks on how to get going. And really a step-by-step journey of how I lost 132 pounds or 60 kilos living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and overcoming a chronic sugar and fast food addiction. So that's in my book, The Fasting Highway, which you'll find here on Amazon. Uh, If you are in Australia or New Zealand, you can get it on my website, www.thefastinghighway.com. For everybody else in the world, uh, just go to your local Amazon store, you'll find it there. Okay, folks, let's get started with today's podcast. I'm delighted to be speaking again to John Jerry Saunders Jr. And JJ, as we love to know him in the intermittent fasting community, is from Columbus, Ohio in the United States of America. And JJ is coming up now some 10 years that he's been involved with intermittent fasting and he's an absolute legend in the fasting community. And his posts over the years have inspired thousands of people around the world and his insights and his mantras have really kept people going. And he's a credit to himself and the IF community. So we're going to hear about what he's been up to since episode 9, way back there in 2020. We'll have a bit of a catch up and JJ will offer some great insights into this. So make sure you've got your pen and paper handy. So here he is, the master of mindset, John Jerry Saunders Jr. Oh, g'day JJ. Welcome to the Fasting Highway and thank you for joining me today. Yeah, very nice to be here. Oh, it's great to have you here. We haven't spoken to you for a while and you're last on in episode nine there, way back in sort of October 2020. So a lot of things have probably happened in the last two years. But John, for the listeners out there, I'd suggest they go back and listen to your original podcast. But what have you been up to for the past two years? Just working part time, retired life. Yeah. And so, John, just give us a bit of a recap with your fasting for people that don't know you around the world. Sort of where, how you came to it way back then, some eight, ten years ago, how you found out about it, what sort of situation you were in with your weight, and what was the catalyst to get going, and sort of how are you now, you know, nearly ten years into this? Well, back in about 2012, I was pretty heavy, like about 330. Um, I went to an amusement park, Kings Island, and I had got on a roller coaster 
And when I got off the thing, I had a stroke. Wow. And then after that, when I drove back to Columbus, I knew I had to make some changes. And I talked to a friend of mine that was a natural medicine doctor. And he told me that I had to start fasting to help heal myself. To help get the weight off and to reset my system. Wow. And so how long did it take you to sort of get going with that? Um, the first year, was, um, he started me out on a 12 and 12. That's when I was kind of dibbling and dabbling with it. But after the first the first year, comfortably able to transition to like a, like a 20 and 4 some days and a 23 one the other days. And that's when the weight really started to come off. Yeah, I mean, you're a top weight, if I remember, of about 330, something like that. John, then you sort of had that stroke after the roller coaster. And in that first year, what was the weight loss like back then? About 50 pounds. You've sort of been 100 pounds now or something like that, you're down. And you've sort of been maintaining that around six years now, John, have you? Yes, I have. I've been able to easily maintain it. One thing I noticed is that it only takes a little bit of food to sustain me for a long period of time to the point where I eat one plate of food a day and um, that's it. I usually can't finish a meal. I hardly ever clean my plate. That's usually like a mental, minimalist type of meal, just like an egg or two or something like that. You have more energy to get out and do things that you like to do. So hiking, walking, that sort of thing. You also do some body weight exercises when the weather isn't uh, playing ball. Uh, very much so. Even some days I just get out and do some push-ups. Just like to just be active every day. Yeah, I mean, it's quite incredible. Anyone that's seen your transformation photos, and you look like you're a guy that goes into the gym every day and just throws tin around all day. But as you said in the first podcast, John, you don't really have to do a lot of exercise. You just have to be consistent with it, don't you? Yeah, you, you just need to do what you like to do. Do what you normally do. If you were a walker, if you like to ride your bike, if you like to go to the gym, whatever you like to do, you need to maintain that play aspect of your life. It's sort of over the last six years that you've been maintaining, John, How's your health been in general? Everything going okay with it? A few issues here and there, but yeah, I'm feeling good. Oh, that's fantastic. And obviously your family, I mean, I remember speaking to you last time, some of them were sort of thinking about getting into fasting or doing fasting. Has any of your family taken it up? Uh, yeah, my, my youngest daughter, she's taking it up. She She's pretty religious about just eating one meal a day. And, uh, it's it served her very well. So, John, you're known also as the guy that's got a great mindset with this. And, I mean, you have to have a real strength and a purpose to be able to do this for so long and make it sustainable for life now as you have. So just run us through and give some advice to people out there about the mindset that's required to get yourself into this. Well, the, the most important thing that I think a person needs to have is self-accountability to have some discipline. Accountability and discipline 
are the two most important aspects of being able to maintain and commit to your um, fasting highway lifestyle. Yeah, I'd agree with that, John. It's, it is an accountability thing as well. And you've got to stop the blame game, don't you? And stop making excuses and stop looking for reasons about why not to start and also trying to blame other people for why we do get obese and that sort of thing. And at the end of the day, we're the ones that are putting the food in our mouth and we're the ones that are doing the damage to ourselves. So we have to take that accountability and we have to be truthful with ourselves, don't we? And just look in the mirror and say, I need to start this and I need to keep going. Very much so. The self-accountability is the most important thing because, you know, like people will ask you about your lifestyle and they say, well, I couldn't do that. You usually have to reply to them. I'm only accountable to myself. You know, no one else is accountable to you. So once you lock into that mindset, it's it's pretty easy, smooth sailing. Yeah, I agree with that. It is smooth sailing once you sort of do lock into that mindset. And it's when you sort of get into that rhythm and you even forget that you fast after a while. I find that now going into my fifth year of this, John, and I wake up in the morning, I don't even think about it. It's just something I do. And like you, I know I eat after a you know, certain time in the day, which for me is roughly around five o'clock during the week. And then on the weekends, I have that sort of team out of what we call two meals a day. But do you find it just it's just a flow for you now? It's not something you even think about? Yeah, it's just a flow. For me, my mindset is that I really don't need to eat or play the food until after sundown. Yeah, I mean... You've posted some unbelievable food photos over the years, which you're well known for. The preparation that you put into it and the presentation is mind-blowing. So that's a very important thing for you, isn't it? The presentation and how you sort of, you know, build that plate up and you sort of visually, it's appealing to you. Yes. Um, Over the years, you learn how to really be creative and, and prep and fix the foods that you like. And then also enjoy um, fixing foods for other people too. Yeah. I mean, obviously you've been a great example for a lot of people, John, over the years and your family and that sort of thing. You mentioned your daughter's doing this. And I know that, you know, you have a lot of followers around the world. And it's just that taking that time, isn't it? Just sort of thinking about it, preparing that food. I find it's like an experience now, John. It's like a theatrical experience when I eat. It's like you put stuff on the plate, you look at it, and then you take your time and you're eating slowly, mindfully. And I think mindful eating is also very important with fasting, isn't it? It is. And you, over the years, you learn to really take your time and enjoy your food. You don't have to put down and act like somebody's going to come and take it from you. You know, I, I try to eat my plate of food over about a two-hour period. I mean, very slow. And that that also helps digestive system by eating very methodically and slow. I think that's a good point, John. Slow, deliberate, mindful are the words that come to mind. I mean, we know we read a lot about in the groups with people that sort of struggle with fasting sometimes, or they may be starting off with too big a longer period of fasting that they're not used to yet. And they white knuckle it to their window and their window opens. And then, like you say, they just eat like somebody's going to steal their food off their plate. 
And I think that's the thing over the years that we learn just to slow down and be more mindful and that sort of thing. But John, you've obviously read thousands and thousands of posts in the group and talked to so many people about this. And you see people often, you know, they'll come out and they'll say they're struggling. What are the main reasons you think that will, from what you've seen, why people do struggle with IF sometimes? Because they, they have to break one habit. And that habit is the snacking habit. Once you go, once you break the snacking habit, sky's the limit. Because when you think about it, food is always available. That's what I tell people. There's no panic. Food's always available. That's right. It's not going to run out in a hurry, is it? It's on every street corner in our cities and major towns, and it is everywhere. And I think with fasting, we're sort of going back to full circle, aren't we, John? Back to the sort of our ancestors where they ate food when it was available and it was scarce. And I mean, fasting to me is just making food scarce. Yeah, they didn't jump up in the morning and just have a full, full breakfast. I really can't eat anything before 12 noon. I don't even think about food. I, I usually, 12 noon, I'll have a nice cup of coffee with some heavy heavy whipping cream. That takes me on until sundown. I eat my plate of food. And then the other thing you notice is once you really get into the fasting lifestyle, you notice how fast the years go by. You know, it's the end of the year, and then you've got another year under your belt. Yeah, when I look back, John, I think about it, nearly five years into this, and I think that's amazing. I mean, I never stuck in anything like weight loss plan for any more than two or three weeks in my life. And, I mean, this has been five years. I mean, this is such a difference, isn't it, intermittent fasting to – what traditional diets are. And I think the reason is that intermittent fasting is sustainable, whereas diets aren't because you get sick of them. You get sick of doing that same thing. But with IF, at least we have some flexibility around our food um, and also when we can have our fasting protocols. Yeah, and I tell people that fasting travels very, very well. You know, it, it... it's, it's nothing you have to pack, nothing you have to do. You just you just take it with you. Just like now, see, um, tomorrow I'm going to a wedding, and so there's going to be a lot of food and an open bar and everything, but that doesn't usually sway me. Yeah, because I remember in a previous podcast you were talking about I think you're at church or at a party or something and somebody offered you some food and you said, that looks really great. Is it okay if I make up a plate and take it home? And and your children were doing that for you too. They'd say, hey, dad, would you like us to make up a plate and take right. it home and have it in your window? And I think that's an easy way to get around it, isn't it? Very much so. And then what you're doing is you're also treating your family and your friends and people around you your way of life and they will start to honor that and they understand it and they'll start accommodating you always trying to push and shove and oh you got to taste this to drink this they learn to respect your lifestyle and i think at this stage of your sort of fasting life john nobody could refute how beneficial it's been for you You've only got to look at your before and after photos to see that. 
and the longevity and sustainability. I mean, how old are you now, John? 63. Well, see, you're 63, and I'm looking at that photo that you sent me earlier, and you look like a guy that's in his, like, late 30s maybe. I mean, and maybe the body of a younger man than that. And that's a real testament, isn't it, to this lifestyle, that you're able to do that. Right. It, it, it really can, you know, kind of like turn back the hands of time for you. John, if you had to nail it down to just a few, what would you say are the sort of top four or five benefits and all non-scale victories of living an intermittent fasting lifestyle for as long as what you have? I, w- I would just say the amount of energy that I have, the self-accountability that I've been able to develop over the years and the discipline, because it does take discipline. You know, yeah, and then and then also you have to be strategic. You don't don't have your house full of your favorite snacks within easy reach. Um, don't set your up self set yourself up for failure. You know, if if you know you have a a weakness for like chip like that, well, don't have a, a ten pound bag of potato chips sitting up in the cabinet. Because you're setting yourself up for failure. That's one of the things I did in my early days is I got rid of all my creature comforts. And that was how I broke the snacking habit. Yeah, well, it's the same as how I overcame a sugar addiction, Jerry. We went through all our cupboards and our fridges. And once we learned what sugar was in the food, we were able to get those foods out of the house and not bring them back in again. And yeah, it's hard. It's a withdrawal period and it's really hard for that first two or three weeks. But once you start getting used to eating better food and from when you very first started, Jerry, to now, would you say your your sort of food tastes have changed and yet you seek really high quality foods now? Very much so. When when I have my one meal, I like to have a good protein and uh, maybe some vegetables. You know, I'm always looking to try new fruits and vegetables and I try new techniques and stuff. You know, I've I've developed a new way of fixing my chicken um, that my kids just love. Well, you better share it with us, Jerry. How do you actually fix the chicken? That how do you do it? Well, like like my kids, they like um, chicken thighs and chicken wings. So I take the chicken thighs and chicken wings, I put it in a Dutch oven with a stick of butter and then you boil the chicken for about 20 minutes. Then you take the chicken out and put it in my cast iron skillet and you cover that with your favorite seasoning and some olive oil. And then you cook it in your cast iron skillet in the oven um, for about 15 or 20 minutes until it gets real crispy and juicy. Mm, sounds fantastic. I might have to give that a crack. I love chicken myself. But so what other sort of foods do you like, Jerry? What are your sort of mainstays? Um, eggs, avocados. My favorite fruit are mangoes. I like to try different vegetables. I've been eating a lot of uh, like bok choy and uh, okra. Yeah, I like to try a lot of different vegetables because there's, you know, there are so many to try. Yeah, and that's the thing there are. And there's a lot of alternatives. And we often hear the mantra in the intermittent fasting community, you can eat whatever you want. But unfortunately for a lot of us, 
John, that's not true, is it? And people come unstuck when they get that in their head and they get that into their mindset. They fast all day and they might eat poorly sort of poor nutrition foods in their sort of eating window and then they struggle and then they wonder why that they're not getting the results that they want. So it's important to realize what that eat whatever you want message really means. You can eat what whatever you want, but over time you'll learn that you really want to eat good foods, whole foods. You know, you don't want to eat a bunch of junk and garbage. No, it's not going to serve you. And I always say I like to eat what makes me feel my greatest, John, not what I want, because eating whatever I want made me as obese as what I was. And, John, I remember when last time you were on the podcast, you were talking about you used to drink alcohol when you were heavy. Have you drunk alcohol in the last sort of eight, ten years? Uh, Yeah, maybe one or two beers a month. That's about the extent of it. Yeah, pretty similar to me these days. John, I'm the same. It's not something I really miss. I mean, and I think it's just, you know, getting into that sort of habit and that lifestyle of eating a healthy sort of a lifestyle with our food. And I think that what what's makes it sustainable over a long period, John, like what you've done. Because if you'd have been eating a lot of ultra high processed foods and that sort of thing, it would have been a struggle to maintain your weight, I think. Very, very much so. A lot of times I'll get instant messages from people asking me different questions and help coach them along. And I, I'm just straight with them. I say, well, the first thing you want to do is you want to give up that alcohol. We shouldn't underestimate what damaged beverages can do in our eating window, whether it be alcohol whether it be things like sugary sodas. I mean, let's right. say you had three cans of soda in that two-hour eating window. John, you're talking about 20, 30 teaspoons of sugar in three cans of soda. So that can really hold you back. I tell people if they can give up the pop and the beer, the weight will come off if you put in the time. But, you know, the alcohol, it, it can definitely sabotage your weight loss goals. You've got to work out what your goals are too. I mean, what are you doing this for? And then you've got to say to yourself, well, okay, I might have to delay these things for a while and or even deny yourself them for a while. But if it means you're going to get to the health goals that you seek, then it's worth doing it. And then once you do get there, then you've got to work out how you're going to be able to maybe reintroduce those things slowly, like what you do, a couple of beers a month and you're happy or whether you're a potato chip lover, like you mentioned before, and you just have sort of, you know, once or twice a month you have them instead of every single day, which is something right. I used to do. So that's that's the thing you've got to learn with fasting, isn't it? Just to develop that mindset, what is my health goals? Right. And you have to develop the mindset that you can give any of it up, whether it's alcohol or chips or, or other sweet high carbohydrate foods or sugary foods, you can give it up. And another thing I tell people to do is to get a notepad and write down your goals, try to follow through on the goals that you write down. Write down small goals, you know, just say I'm going to fast 20 hours a day. Then fast 20 hours and check that off. Yeah, I think that's good, good advice, John. Also, 
helping find out what those trigger foods are, like what triggers your weight. I mean, I'm a guy that weighs daily. I don't know if you weigh daily now, John, but I still weigh daily because I like to track my trigger foods. So I've learned over time which foods are going to spike my weight and react to my body because everybody will react to food differently. We all react differently to sugar. We all react differently to carbohydrates. So for me, being able to journal or being able to sort of take my weight every day, it really gave me sort of an insight into which foods were triggering those weight spikes. And do you find that you know your trigger foods now, John, that you sort of avoid a bit? Yeah, very much so. I don't eat as much bread as I used to. I used to be a lover of cakes and pies. Um, and I still have it, but I have it much, much, much less than I used to. I remember in the first episode we had you on, John, back in episode nine, way back there in 2020, you were talking about the pizza. You said they were so big that you had to strap them to the roof of your car. And I still right. remember that. And I always have that visual of somebody driving down the road with this pizza strapped to the top of their car because it was so big. And now you sort of think to yourself, what was I doing? What, what made me do that behavior? And it's really strange, isn't it? Like when you look back in the 70s and 80s, John, and you look at pictures of people, you don't see a lot of obese or heavy people in those photos. So food no, has become so available now, hasn't it? It's always available. You look at pictures of people back from the in the 70s, everybody was pretty much skinny. They were, yeah. They were. They, they all looked like they needed a cheeseburger back then, and now it's gone the opposite right. way. We've got an obesity epidemic. That's right. They 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 look skinny in their bell bottoms in the seventies, but now large portions of the population is so obese. Yeah, it's not getting any sort of easier with that, is it, John? I think I see it here in Australia, obesity rates climbing, and it's really sad. And it breaks my heart now when I go out when I go to a shopping centre or go to a movie or somewhere a public event, and I just see more and more people becoming more and more obese and it doesn't seem like it's slowing down so people talk about intermittent fasting being mainstream i still don't think it's mainstream do you john um it's pretty much getting there i know i hear a lot more people saying that that they're willing to try it and they're willing to study and learn about it and i tell people it's one of the easiest things you'll ever do because it's really all mental. You're not going to starve in a day. It is mental, 100%. I mean, that's where your real strength comes in. I mean, we've been reading about your mindset and your sort of mantras for many years now. And I mean, what you say is so true. It's just applying that mindset daily, loving yourself first, all those sorts of things, respecting yourself, respecting the people around you, and really just working towards your goals and if you do have to put some things aside then that's when the mental strength comes in because you'll know what they taste like i mean i look at foods now and i just say to myself i know what they taste like i don't need to taste them anymore because i know the damage that right. they were doing to my body like i don't need that sugary drink i know what it tastes like so why do i need it what 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 i rather yeah. have what i've got now or what i have and then. get over that sensation of having to feel really full you know yeah. i don't like that i don't like that feeling i don't like feeling stuffed and full 
Oh, look, there's nothing worse now, John. I mean, if I ever get slightly like that at night, I just can't sleep. And like, I just right. feel like I'm just too full. And then eating tea is satisfied and then bang, stopping it. And that's important, John. I'd like you to talk about that. People have got to realize that their eating window is one hour, two hours, four hours, or eight hours. That doesn't mean they sit there and eat for that period of time. They've got to learn to get to that point where they're satisfied and full and reach that point of appetite correction and just switch off. Most people don't realize that an eight-hour eating window is, is like a great big gateway. I can't imagine having an eight-hour window and just yeah. eating, eating nonstop through it. Two, uh, two, two hours, three hours is the most that I think that, that you need. Yeah, I think an eight-hour eating window is probably a good place to start, John, intermittent fasting, like with a 16 and 8. And then sort of once you can nail down that 16-hour clean fast that we talk about, and we'll talk about that in a minute, and then you can sort of you know narrow it down a bit as you get some experience but ultimately, we want to get up over that 18-hour mark, don't we, to get that sort of fat-burning process ramped up? Yeah, I tell people to, if in the beginning to try just to dip the toes in the fasting pool with the 12 and 12, and as soon as you can, get to a 16-8 and then to a 20 and 4. And if you have a significant amount of weight to lose, you might even want to try a 22-2. I think that's important to find your own niche too, isn't it? Like what fits life, what suits you. I mean, you're like me. You're a guy that sort of likes to eat after sundown or in the evenings and, you know, once a day and, and that's it. And I think a lot of people have to fit it into their life. And some people say to me, well, I can't do fasting because, you know, I like breakfast. I'm a, breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. I said, well, there's no reason why you can't have a, early eating window and then fast for the rest of the day. Or if you like lunch, you could sort of, you know, have your lunch in the middle of the day and then fast on. So you can change it around too, can't you, John, depending on what sort of time of day you like to eat. Yeah, you can configure your eating window any which way you like. Like I'll have family in from out of town and they want to go out and eat breakfast. You know, I'll go out with them and eat breakfast. Then I won't eat for the rest of the day. Well, that's what makes it sustainable, John, for a long period of time, isn't it? The fact that you can, like you going to that wedding tomorrow. I mean, if it doesn't fit in with your exact time, then you'll change it around a little bit to do so. And then, you know, or events or family events or that sort of thing, because life's important too, and life is to be lived. And it's really important that we fit that flexibility into this lifestyle. Otherwise, it won't be sustainable for a lot of people because, you know, if you're having family events and that sort of thing, then sometimes you've just got to sort of roll with it a bit and change it around. And then over a period of time, you just learn to dance around those things. Yeah, you don't have to be totally rigid. I think that's important, John, is to be able to have that flexibility in your life. But I mean, now 10 years up, or, you know, be sort of started with fasting and way back when you had that stroke and the doctor sort of suggested fasting, what, what was his theory behind the fasting? To take some of the glucose off of the brain, let the brain rest a lot more. Because people don't realize when you eat, you're affecting your brain. Um, I, I, I had a condition where my brain stem, there was a calcification. 
And my doctor thinks a lot of that calcification came from my diet, my dietary habits. So I was able to, you know, with fasting to pull back and to help heal that part of my brain. That's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. I mean, we hear so many of these things in the non-scale victories and people talking about surgical scars fading away or ladies that have had children, you know, cesarean scars fading away. I spoke to a guy that was in a bad car accident and had massive scarring on his body, started fading away. I've seen it myself with psoriasis. Psoriasis completely went off my body. And it was the only thing I've ever done in my life, John, that healed that psoriasis. So there has to be something healing from the inside with that sort of giving our bodies a rest from digestion and food all day. So, John, where to from here? You're just going to carry on and do the same thing for the... Uh, yeah, pretty much. I'm very comfortable um, with, with, with the lifestyle that I have right now. You know, it's, it's fast for life. I'm trying to, trying to be like my, um, my dad's, um, younger sister. She's, she's 99. I want to be like her one day. Big hundred coming up. And I think that's longevity is really a, a real side effect. I think of intermittent fasting. I mean, you read about the science of it. I mean, Mark Matson put it in that paper back in 2019 in the New England Journal of Medicine, while well, it was a summation of a number of papers, a summary, if you like, and a sort of the aging sort of effects. And I think that's really important for longevity. And I mean, what you're doing is by moving every day as well, that complements it just for people out there that might be sedentary, uh, John, and they're sort of trying to get going with the exercise. What's some sort of lightweight body exercises people can do just to get started? Um, one of the best exercises you can do is bodyweight squats. Because your thighs are kind of like the engine of the body. And you want to keep those pretty much toned and blood flowing through those. You can also do just, just a couple of push-ups um, maybe every other day. They will help keep you toned and keep your skin tight, especially if you're dropping, you don't want to have the sagging skin. So just, just a little bit of exercise goes a long, long way. That helps with that. I mean, that toning you're talking about, and you see it in your body. I mean, it, as I said before, you look like a guy that's in the gym all day. And in fact, you're not. Yeah. You're just doing that little bit of exercise every day in the walking, and then you do some chin-ups and some push-ups and those body squats that you do. And I think that's an important message for people out there. I mean, I know when I was 350 pounds, exercise was the furthest thing from my mind. But once I right. started some walking, I started by doing, you know, maybe a kilometre, and then I did two kilometres and three kilometres, and then next thing I was getting up to five and six kilometres a day. It does become easier, and as the weight comes off, exercise becomes a real joy, doesn't it? It, it really does. You'll get to the point where it just revs your engine. You know, yeah. it's like you, you really can't do without it. No, it almost becomes another obsession, doesn't it? You know, apart from food. I mean, freedom for food now for 10 years, John. I mean, when you think about that, you think back to your previous lifestyle when you're 330 pounds and what you were doing then to what you were doing now. It's just been a decade of sort of redemption, hasn't it, setting you up for longevity, really? It, it really has. I wouldn't ever want to go back to the, 
the quote-unquote old lifestyle. I don't miss it at all. Food is not that important. No, it's not. And that, that's the thing we've got to realise. that Food is to sustain us, you know, to keep our body healthy and, and sustain us for life and that sort of thing. But it shouldn't control us. And that's unfortunately what happens for a lot of us. We let food control us. I know I let food control me. I let a sugar addiction and fast food addiction control me. And the result was morbid obesity. And I mean, I can't blame anybody else but myself for that. I can't talk about, I mean, people say, I had a doctor say to me once, oh, it's, it's not your fault, it's in your genes. And I said, well, it's not in my genes because my father's not obese and my mum's not terribly obese. So how can it be in my genes? It's my fault because of what I'm eating. It's as simple as that. And a lot of people will say, yeah, but, you know, you might be set up by your genes to, but I don't agree with that. I think you've got to take ownership of your obesity or your weight sort of gain and really work on that, don't you? And that ownership and that mindset has to be, I need to do this for me. Everybody's different and you have to take the hand that you and you have to, you know, work at that aspect. You can't compare your journey to anybody else's it's because it's going to be different. No, I think comparison, as they say, is the thief of joy, John. And I think we see a lot of that too in the groups, don't we? They say, oh, you know, I've been doing this for five months and I've only lost 15 pounds. Well, 15 pounds in five months is a lot of weight to lose. And um, right. I don't think you can compare yourself to anybody because we've all got different DNAs. We all have different amounts of weight to lose. And plus those people that have lost more weight than you, they may not be eating highly processed foods. They may be eating really healthy, lovely whole foods and, and stepped away from the sugary treats and that sort of thing. So comparison is futile, really. We just have to work out our own race and our own destiny, don't we, John? Yes. And one of the things that the lifestyle teaches you is what works for you, like a lot of breads and carbs and chips and that kind of stuff. I don't enjoy those as much. If any, you know, it's like for me, I love meat, I love steaks, I love, you know, seafood, that sort of thing. So, most of the foods I love typically now, you know, are, are pretty good for me. Whereas before, I was eating foods that didn't love me that. And what you used to eat back in your 20s, you know, you can't eat in your 60s. <laughs> yeah, that's you important know. to realize too. Aging is a different ball game to how you eat, but. I mean, what we're talking about with intermittent fasting is just eating till we're satisfied and full uh, and not stuffed, not overeating in our eating windows, John. And that fast, you mentioned a clean fast there. And I want you as a guy that's been doing this for 10 years to explain to people out there why the clean fast is so important. Because when you clean fast, you won't spike your insulin. Um you won't be as insulin resistant um, when you clean fast. If you're doing a dirty fast and, and you're drinking sugary drinks or drinks with artificial sweeteners, um, those can elicit uh, an insulin response and those will um, impede your weight loss. 100%. You've got to keep that sort of insulin low, don't you? So we can tap into our fat stores for our energy sources and our bodies, their own energy silos, really, aren't they, John? Very much so. That's where um, 
once in a while I'll do an extended fast, you know, just, just to, um, tap into the discipline and the self-accountability. But I only do extended fast um, uh, just every once in a while, every couple of months. You know, some people like to do extended fast, you know, often. I don't know. I might I might try some new things, um, not this year, but next year, like every other day fast. I might get into that, but I'm very, very right now. Yeah. And so, I mean, when we spoke in episode nine um, back in 2020 there, John, you'd lost sort of 45 kilos or sort of, you know, 100-odd pounds at that stage. And so what's your sort of weight looking like now compared to, say, to, uh, eight years ago? I'm maintaining around 220, 220 to 230. You know, I'm six foot three, so. That's sort of, I'm six five. John, I'm around the 220, 225, 226. That's my range. I like to stay in a sort of four to six pound range. I think that's good to have that range, isn't it? Like you have that 10 pound range. A lot of people get hooked up with intermittent fasting when they get to a goal weight that they like to be that particular number. But it's very hard to stick to a particular number. You can't get caught up in, in the absolute number and you can't get caught up by what the scale says every single day. You know, I may go months and not weigh myself. So how often would you weigh, John, about twice a year? Yeah, that's about all because you can tell by your fasting if you're within the confines that you want to be. In the early stage, you may want to weigh yourself more frequently, but after you really get into the, the fasting lifestyle, you'll know whether you were, where you want to be or not. Because over time, fasting really becomes an instinct, a natural instinct. It's like I was watching a show the other night um, on the Discovery Channel, and there was a documentary about lions, and they only eat about every four or five days. I said, I want to be like that. I mean, I'm just a person like you, uh, once a day eating extended fasting, um, I haven't really done a lot of it to be truthful because it's not something I really enjoy. The longest fast I ever did was 36 hours and I didn't really enjoy it that much. And I did it by default because I got home late at night and I just couldn't be bothered eating. So I went to bed, but I remember waking up the next day feeling really odd. And I thought, well, that's, I don't want to go that long again. And sort of I've always stuck to that sort of eating within a 24 hour period. But I really get why people do extended fasting. I, I really understand the science of it and the autotrophy benefits and everything else. And it may be something I tinker with in the future, but I'm not sure that I'd like to do it every sort of week. But like you, it might be something beneficial to do two or three times a year, maybe. I, try, I tried to do a 72-hour fast one time, and it, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty brutal. See, that would just be beyond me. I just I couldn't do it. I would be flat doing a 40-hour fast, to be truthful, John. it's um, I would find that difficult. Um, and now at the stage where I am, I would also – my mindset would be thinking, why am I doing this, even though I know the benefits of it. But for me, I'm just in a comfort zone where I'm at. I'll be maintaining my weight well now for three and a half years uh, in that right. range. And I don't see any need to change. And I, I don't feel I need to change. 
But sometimes people can look for change too quickly, John. I mean, consistency is important, I think, when we start because a lot of people get frustrated when they first start IF and they, they jump straight into extended fasting and it overwhelms them. Well, that's usually people that have a significant amount of weight to lose. You know, they keep thinking that they're better instead of thinking, trying to do it over the long haul at a slower pace. Longer fasting isn't always necessary. Better fasting, John, it's just the fact that you know, it may suit you at different stages, but it's important to realize when you start to stay in your comfort zone and don't compare yourself to others that may be doing things like alternate day fasting or extended fasting, because you can do that too down the track, you know, once you get used to fasting. But the most important things is getting used to that clean fast at the start. But John, I've been really enjoying talking to you again today, but just before we go, how about giving some words of wisdom out there to some people that are just starting this fasting lifestyle? What are the necessary things for them to do? And just a few tips around the mindset when they first start. Well, I like to tell people, give it a year. Give it a year. Don't get obsessed with the scale, but try to push for about one pound of weight loss a week. And if you think about it, that's that's what, 52 pounds in a year. You'll be more than happy with that. Sure would be. I mean, that's the mindset to have. Even half a pound a week is 25 pounds a year. That's an enormous amount of weight too, isn't it? You know, depending on how much you got to lose. But I think a pound a week's around the average. I mean, I often read, oh, I've only lost 20 pounds in, you know, three weeks. And I say, well, that's seven pounds a week. You know, that's pretty good going. If you're losing a pound a day, there's usually something else wrong. It's better to lose it slowly, I think. I mean, and I think that sort of works too for things like loose skin and that sort of thing, losing it slower. You know, being able to do that consistent exercise you're talking about for that toning sort of, you know, process. Whereas right. when you dump all the weight all of a sudden and then you get those problems like a lot of loose skin and that, that can be quite sort of upsetting for the mind as well. Like I said, the most important things are the clean fast and uh, sticking to your own self-accountability. The lifestyle is nothing anybody else can do for you. You know, you have to do it all yourself. Just being true to yourself, I think, John, is the main thing and being honest with yourself and looking at yourself in the mirror and taking that accountability and being prepared to make the changes that you need to make. And and just just to go ahead and build your discipline up. Your discipline muscle, that's what I call it. I always say to people, it is discipline. It's like if you can put your foot on the brake of your car at a traffic light, why can't you stop yourself from eating in a period of time? It's just applying that same discipline over a longer period of time, isn't it? Making that mind connect. John, I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been talking to you again. And thank you again for joining me here on the Fasting Highway. Uh, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. I'll talk yeah. to you again, okay? Yeah, we will. Thank oh, thank you so much, John. Absolutely loved having you back on the podcast, and what a wonderful insight that was, and a real joy for us to hear from somebody that's been doing this now for some 10 years, and been in maintenance for six. That's amazing. And I'm really glad that you overcame those health sort of struggles early on 
uh, after having a stroke and that sort of thing. And what a wonderful life you're living now. I look forward to catching up with you in another year or so because I think your mindset is so great and all those insights that you gave are real gems. But anyway, folks, also, if you do want to join us in the Fasting Highway Facebook community, please do so. There's people from all over the world like JJ in there, only too happy to help and offer some helping hand for you to get started with your own journey. Also, folks, uh, as you heard in the intro there, if you want to hear a story about someone that's living an intimate fasting lifestyle and made it successful, you'll find that in my book, The Fasting Highway. Uh, you can get that on Amazon or both paperback and Kindle. And I'll give you some tips and hints how to get started and also a bit of background on myself and how I've sort of made this a sustainable lifestyle now for so long. Okay, folks, until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting. <laughs>